Welcome to the Combat Chat Podcast. This is an Aussie based show covering everything to do with Muay Thai, submission grappling, MMA boxing, and weird news the fight world has to offer each week. Now it's time to combat sports and chill with your boys, Shane, Trent, and Hugh. Welcome back, everyone. Episode. I forgot to check what number episode. <laughs> Some of us, I don't know. We've done like I don't know how many episodes now. I, I, you know, we've it's episode something of Combat Chat Podcast. Um, still in week. I think tomorrow we will cross into week thirteen of Sydney lockdown. Um, still here, still loving life. Looking, I hope slightly less homeless this week. Um, I decided to take the clippers to the facial hair, but I, I left the curls up top for now. So it's it's a bit of a gradual process. Um, some beautiful summer weather in Sydney town for the weekend as restrictions start to, well, not really start to ease, but you're allowed to go and have a picnic now, which is a nice uh, a nice gift from our friends in the New South Wales government. Um, looking like there's some light at the end of the tunnel for training and gyms and stuff like that. So time's still a little bit tough, but... The vibes are good this weekend in the sunshine. Hope you're all doing well out there, of course. Um, but checking in this week, just myself on the hosting side, um, Shane's enjoying the sunshine with his family. So we had to call in an all-star guest uh, to make up for lack of hosts. Joining me from the nation's capital is Mr. Max McVicker. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good. Good. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, doing pretty well. So you made the wise decision to leave the most unrestricted state in Australia <laughs> and go straight into a Canberra lockdown. So tell us how, how, you, how you're handling that, how are things going for you with restrictions and whatnot? Um, I think we're in week five now. Amateur numbers, yeah. <laughs> week five of lockdown. Um, we, went in, we went into lockdown before cases in the first day and now it's like an average of 20 to 30 every day um yep. and it just Pretty doesn't numbers, seem yep. to be changing like yeah it's just staying the same um so they've extended the lockdown for another month um which sucks but uh it is what it is i suppose it's we're just getting getting by been seeing you guys on on uh instagram getting in your park sessions and stuff like that yeah you enjoying working out in the sunshine a little bit yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool actually because obviously we've trained so long, like a certain way, and like yeah, it's almost been like a good way of like bonding with a couple of people from the gym. Like I haven't yeah. seen David in like, um, there's a picture of me and him in like, Langkawi in 2011 or something like that, and I'm like three foot tall, <laughs> and he's 17. So like, we hadn't seen each other since then. So it's good to like, just have some one on one time with some people and do some stuff there. It's like the bright part of a yeah, pretty bad situation, I suppose. And how have you been settling into um, okay, we'll get into a little bit in a second, sort of, you know, what kind of went into the move and stuff like that. But overall, yeah. how have you found settling into the ACT? Man, like, I so far I've, like I've loved it like when, obviously the lockdowns kind of made like put a damper on things but yeah um it's been like the first time for me for a load of things like I've moved into my own like apartment and stuff like that like moved yeah. out um like 
just like the independence has been really cool and then um working in the gym full time and feeling real secure and then having the like the training that I came here for and the partners yeah. that I came to train with it's just been like everything that I'd hoped for um but yeah the lockdown's just like paused everything so it's like it's that's a bit 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 poo really but um the the so far the actual training and everything's been really really good it's been wicked yeah that's what that's what we like to hear and it does look like you guys are making the most of it i think um the spin that you put on a whole lockdown is um it's really important like it, it's yeah. what you make it really right yeah um so look we'll, we'll get into kind of uh more you and your new setup and stuff like that but um i know a lot of people that uh you know our people that listen to the show are, are pretty hardcore Australian Muay Thai fans and um, mm. anyone else who's listening is just listening because you're on anyway so most <laughs> people who are here probably probably are aware of you but take us back a little bit you know you're a young guy 20 yeah 20 yeah. yeah 20 years old super experienced um you know you're in Canberra now um you know just come over from Western Australia uh any listeners that are unaware that's actually not a Western Australian accent um, <laughs> so, um fill in the gaps for us a little bit take us through your um kind of Muay Thai journey how'd you get started and yeah just run us through that if you will um yeah so I started when in Manchester England so that's where I was born like where I grew up and stuff um so I started Muay Thai when I was five um with my dad and a woman called Trisha who still teaches over there um she has her own gym and stuff like but like real from the start like taught real good fundamentals Mm -hmm. um like Trisha and my dad originally taught uh, like a load of real real good juniors like we had a real strong junior team um like people like you know Neve Keenahan from Frank's gym we started together like she was seven and I was five and we used to train together and things like that. Um, Did she have a wicked fight recently? Um on on your cow? The head kick KOs. Yeah. yeah. She's like, man, every fight is wicked. Like <laughs> she's so good. And like um if you watch her, you can actually see like fundamentally you can you can see like similarities between her and I with mm. both Southpaw and kick similar and like a lot of the things we learned like, as children have just kind of stayed. Yeah. So you can see that, that we were kind of taught correct from the start. Um, but then we moved from England to Australia to WA in Perth um, when I was 11. And when, when we got here, we kind of like looked around different gyms um, and we went to like everything was a little bit far away. Like the, we were in Mandra. So about an hour and a half, like an hour, an hour and a half away from some of the other gyms up in Perth. Yeah. Um, so like gyms like the pit and Riddlers were just like too far away at the time for like me as an 11 year old to go back and forth every day. Yeah. Um, so basically I went to a local gym called Excel and they had like a small fight team, but eventually my dad took over my training again at that gym um and basically created a fight team there and decided one day that he wanted to just break off from the gym and create his own thing um from there there was just a few that followed like uh, josh day and like just a couple of others and then eventually got his own premises and we we like i trained with my dad and stuff up until about the age of 16 
And then I went to Petyindi in Thailand mm. um, and just well, like I came back and um, after that, like stayed for a little bit. I had a couple of fight, more fights under my dad. Um, I had my like a WBC state title when I turned 18 against yep. Stephen Kirk. Kirk, yeah. And then I had my fight against Zach Anderson for the WBC national. Um, and then like, and then after that, I made the move up to, I moved out of home and I moved yep. up to like central Perth and trained a little bit with like Daniel Dawson and stuff at uh, Legends Academy. Legends, yeah. Um, and yeah, I was there for a little while before I came to Canberra. So I had two fights at Legends um, and yeah, like I had my fight against Buck in, yep. I think it was in Queensland. I don't know where it was. I think Victoria. Victoria. Man, <laughs> the Eastern States is still a little blur to me. I don't know the difference. That was in between, Melbourne, right? right? That was like hardcore <laughs> promotions, wasn't it? Yeah, hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. They're all they're all a blur. Like when you're in WA, <laughs> the whole eastern side of the map just blurs into one. It's just one place. Like I was it's on the one, it's <laughs> just one massive thing that you fly to to fight. <laughs> I mean, like guess comparatively, like Western Australia is the same size as like Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria. So when you think of it like that, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. You just go into you're going to Eastern Australia. We just fly over east to fight. Yeah. That's like the <laughs> but yeah, I had I had a couple of fights there, and then obviously I had my most recent fight against Singh Payak, um, mm. which was like real cool experience. Um but after that, like, well, during, like, during coming up to that fight, um, the opportunity kind of arose with Kieran. Mm. Um, I was, like, at home and, and just, I just stumbled across his, like, one of his, like, more you chats, I think it was, the, the first one, where he's talking about, like, um, I don't know what he's talking about. I can't, like, it's uh, some, some topic to do with, like, that he was talking with Josh about. And I remember watching yeah. it and just thinking like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Like mm. he really, like he really, I really get what he's saying. And then um, I like sent him a message and just said like, oh, like I really agreed with what you were saying. Like we're on the same wavelength. And then we just chatted back and forth for a bit about like our opinions on different topics in Muay Thai. And then he, um, he just randomly gave me a ring one day and we were chatting even more and then we got into like my job and work and in the current climate with like job security yeah and obviously at the time that at legends i was technically self-employed because yeah. i was like on the pt kind of pay like thing um and then with kieran like it, there was a totally different opportunity there to work at more you um and then obviously the opportunity to train with like david and josh and stuff and train with Kieran after seeing some of the stuff he'd done and yeah like that that opportunity was there so that kind of pushed the move towards Canberra um like I, I flew over the day after my fight with Singh and spent a week at more U. and then when I got back I was just like I'm I'm going like there's ever a time to do it now so yep just went for it yeah, like a very good opportunity um, that not a lot of gyms could really offer with Kieran yeah. in that. You know, it's not just like you go and train there and, um, you know, pick up a couple of PTs. Like it's a structured kind of salaried, mm. you know, um, yeah. it's all on the books kind of job. Um, obviously, he runs a great facility too. Very smart guy. Um, mm. We're friends with Kieran. So yeah, I call him and annoy him on the phone. 
<laughs> at least a few times a year, Kieran, she's, yeah. Kieran gets to um, listen to my mental breakdowns. Um, so, so he's, he's um, good like that. So there's, there's a few to get into and do really want to zone in on kind of, you know, this move to more you, even though it's kind of been on pause. Um, but you mentioned across kind of your career, you spent some time with Pet and D. So if we, if we walk back a little bit to there, how long were you in Thailand all up? Um, uh, you know, what, what was that kind of experience like? Like, man, training at Pet Indy is, like, weird. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. Like, I suppose I, I went back and forth to Thailand a few times, but went to Pet Indy once. Um, like, but going to Pet Indy was, like, a crazy experience. Um, when I was there, I, like, I walked in on the first day and I got to my room and put my bags down and stuff. And then I just had, like, this this moment where I was, like, like I don't know if I can do this like it's way too like it was way too big and it was like the, I, like it's like the Petyndi building I don't know if you've seen it but it's like five stories yeah like carried like hold these massive bags up five stories um and like nobody to nobody speaking English and I walked into my room like bonking with everyone and I just sat on the floor and was like the first I got like the first night shakes and I was like mm. what am I doing like what what why am I even doing this? And then um, I got up the next morning and I walked into the showers and it like at like 5 a.m. they come around, wake us all up and I walked into the showers and it was like pet moricot, pet dam, sore growl, like all in the showers. And it was like really like real weird as a kid. It was like I've only ever seen you guys on TV. Like yeah. And, and then I was like asking for selfies in the showers with pet moricot and pet dam and stuff <laughs> like that. And then um but yeah, like I, I had like a real, um, like small fight there. Um, when I first got there, I took that hike on like three days notice and just yeah. kind of jumped in, um, at Asia Teak. Asia Teak, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I uh, fought there too. Yeah. I wouldn't, wouldn't that fight. It was like, nobody, nobody cared. Like obviously yeah. with it being such a small fight and like Pet Indy being so big, um but then I got thrown into like another fight that I got like three weeks to get ready for after that fight um and I I wasn't sure like anything about it really but they just come and took my picture and I think it was a bit of a setup fight because like on the poster it was like real um his picture was like super good like real real good like photo um and heaps of people came to watch and boat boat was there and I was okay. just like, this isn't a big enough fight for Boat to have like, like cared about. Um, and all of a for sudden, people that are unaware, sorry, in trial, like Boat being the Pet D kind of boss. Yeah, um, oh, sorry. <laughs> just in case, just <laughs> in case people are unfamiliar. Yeah, yeah. So Not like, an actual Boat. Yeah, because <laughs> um, like Boat, Boat isn't like doesn't talk to you. You know, like he's yeah. he's so important that like you see him and everyone kind of just moves out of the way. Like, no a very influential to... figure in time we tire yeah like nobody yeah. will nobody you won't go and just start a conversation with but yeah. or say hi to him if he walks past you in the hall you like put your head down and turn your head away um like you'll come in the gym at the end of the session with a stick and you're just like dreading he doesn't come past you yeah um but then he he like turns up to my fight as i'm walking out we turned up late to the venue and it was like we turned up late to the venue and you know teddy bear my his name's my yeah. so yeah. we turned up late to the venue 
and he's like quickly quickly throws like a groin guard on me throws some shorts on me like half wraps my hands and throws some gloves on then they like chuck a monk on on me and then I'm like waiting to walk out like not warmed up whatsoever and they just throw me out I'm like oh it's one of those fights don't care like it's it's fine and then as I'm walking out I just spotted boat like in the back of the audience and I was like what is what is he doing here like this is way too like he doesn't he shouldn't care about this yeah um and but it turns out the promoter had set it up for like like um like he was friends with boat the promoter yeah. had set it up with boat um so it's bigger than i anticipated um and then i fought the first round in that fight and boat wasn't really saying anything and then as soon as he saw me kick he was like like ran into the corner and started shouting in my corner. He's like, left kick, left kick. And then um, after that, he was just like in, in, in my corner the whole way through the fight. Um, and then I won that, that fight by KO in the second round. And then the next morning, like I felt pretty good. It was like a good fight and I felt like it impressed and everything. And then the next morning he was doing this like massive press interview. There was like heaps of people in the gym. And then it all finished and I kind of just stood, I wanted to go into the room, but like just stood outside the room for like half an hour. Yeah. Um, and then as he walked out of the room, I walked in and he turned to me and was like, oh, you fought well yesterday. Um, I want to put you on one championship. And I was like, okay. He was like, I want to sponsor you. When can you come back? And because he was like, oh, when you're leaving, I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, and then I ended up leaving quite soon after um but then he was like when can you come back he was like I want you to move here like I want you to live live at Pet D and I was like I had another like blown head moment I was like mm. I don't know like I need to go home and figure this out but like he said but like don't worry the offer's always there like you, you don't need to stress about it um and then stayed for a bit longer um and like yeah it, it kind of was just a bit surreal but then I had my two fights when I came back with my dad and then COVID was like hit and it was yeah. like no way I could get back there no no point in going either yeah so like the, everything changed like the whole dynamic changed because the idea was obviously like when you get offered to go to Pet D, you go to Pet D. you go yeah yeah like you don't you don't really like turn it down or decide not to go but I had a word with Savas before I left to go back um and he was saying to me like he was saying, you don't need to rush to come back. Like he said, that offer is there and it will be there. Like it won't just disappear because you haven't been around for a while. Like yeah. as long as you don't go to like another gym near us, then like the offer is still there. He said, go and beat the best in your country, be the best in your country and then come back. And then you know that you have done that and not run away from any competition. Yeah, so that's kind of like what I went home to do. I fought for the WBC state title and then the Australian one, and I was working my way through, and it was like COVID, so it was like that kind of all went out the window anyway. Yeah, and that's when like I started looking for alternate like ways and options of places to go down, and then yeah, interesting, right? So I guess it's always like whatever you're doing in life right now. It's interesting to think back if all of this hadn't happened where would I be right now you know so I guess had lockdowns and whatnot kind of not come about you probably would have got on a plane and, and got yourself back to Petting D for a longer yeah. time I'd have been a tie work course 
and, and how like kind of useful to have like someone like kind of Savas to get advice from on that kind of thing, right? Because he's obviously done the long-term tire tire yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Him, him and him and Dan, like when I when I was there, were like, you know, like my two Dan, older Dan McGowan. Yeah, Dan McGowan. Yeah. Like Dan, Dan was the one who was like, oh mate, you can do it. Like I know it's hard the first like when you first get here is the difficult part trust me and he's like I've done this you know he did it since he was like 15 too like mm. went to Thailand and back and I'd watched like his old lumpini fights and things like that and been quite inspired by that so he's someone I like really looked up to and he supported me a lot emotionally um and Sabas was like the one who was like like get get up like get up in the morning and run with me because like and then if I didn't he'd be like super on my back and but like in a good way you know like he would yeah. be really 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 on my back because he's a hard worker um and he knew I think he, he knew I was good so he wanted me to turn up and push myself as much as I could so he really would push me um and still does like when he when we talk and when we message he always Sabas is one of those people that will always speak his mind like yeah. he'll always he'll always tell you how it is and so if I ever need advice, like there's a couple of people that I go to um, that are like, you know, fighters that are in similar positions to me that are just like a few years older. Yeah. Um, like if, if I ever have like something to, to ask, of course, I'll ask like Kieran. Yeah. Um, and like sometimes I like, ask my dad, but also like some of the first people message is like Savas, like every now and again, I'll message Dan and I'll message George as well, like George Mann yeah so it's like those type like those guys are the type of people that i message if if like i need advice because mm -hmm. they've been they've been in positions that i am now in and and like know what to do you know, most of the time yeah and like i think you realize like the longer you're around a sport like this one it's so helpful you know even it's so essential to have people around that are gonna tell you not just people that are more experienced than you or whatever to go to for advice but people that are going to tell you advice and cut the shit like mm. um you know i think everyone's like i go to these people for advice but like really that's just people that are going to say nice things to them yeah like yeah. you really need someone around that's going to be like you know oh this is what i'm having a problem with and maybe the response is like man you're being an idiot you know yeah, have, you, have you ever asked for george's opinion on something yeah <laughs> it's all you'll always get the truth from george that's what i always like if i have something to ask um George about like if I get him to watch my fights and stuff um like he'll always be dead honest and I always respect that um like out of all Australian well, fighters in Australia <laughs> fighters he's, he's, he's the one I look to be like you know what I mean like the the skill and things like that he's someone like I look up to and what what he's accomplished and things like that so um to be able to get straight advice from him Sometimes it hurts as well. Like yeah. when, when George, like sometimes George will say something and I don't, I don't know if he realizes, he might realize, but he says some stuff and it's like, ah, like that hurt, <laughs> but you need to hear it, you know, like need to, need to be told sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest kind of weaknesses you can have as a fighter is like, if you're sort of hurt by advice that is like not filtered to be nice to you because like that's the like if you really can't just be told what you need to hear you're going to miss out on some of the most useful advice that you're going to get like when i hear fighters being like oh i've stopped working with his trainer because he told me i'm not good at this it's like yeah, yeah. Uh, that's you know i think that's <laughs> that was part of like why i needed to come 
to um to to more use like i think um and george and i did have a conversation about this like it, it was the it's the same for him with darren like we need we need someone to just tell us there's a lot of people like for our age we know we know a lot about the sport but we need someone to yeah. like, reel us in and just say like you do this now like and be told you know get used to being told that this is this is what we're we need to do and this like this how we need to act and because sometimes like personally i get too big for my boots and think i know everything you know like and i forget that like sometimes someone just needs to come and tell me like smack me around the ears you know you don't know everything settle down <laughs> like yeah just need to be told yep. Yeah, I think that's kind of like an underappreciated, excuse me, element of like the fighter trainer dynamic is like when you get like a, you know, a really strong, knowledgeable young fighter, someone like yourself that really develops this real classy style and, and just studies the game and learns a lot about Muay Thai. Like it's very easy, I guess, for the coach to kind of let that person outgrow them. Like that's an issue mm -hmm. that I see when, I look around sometimes it's like I think probably like for a I mean like I, I'm not a coach so I mean I, I don't mm. I guess really understand it um not a coach of, of fighters anyway but it's like I, I think one of the most challenging kind of fighters to train is one that's like really immersed in it like you don't have to tell them about the sport they're going to mm. go and learn it because like the challenge is then on you to kind of gr grow with them like stay in a place yeah. But also, I think, yeah, you make a good point that, like, fighters who do know a lot have to understand that you can't run your own shit. Like, they, yeah. there's a reason that, like, what elite yeah. fighter has just no coach because they just yeah. know a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, yeah. I think, um, Ki like, Kieran as well. The good thing is, like, Kieran and I are both well aware of, like, my strengths. Like, um as a fighter like mentally as well like yeah i'm i'm real real strong mentally you can throw me into like a, a deep end situation and I'll, i've got bags of confidence like i'll never be complacent when i fight or just have a bad performance like it doesn't happen i've i know i know that i can be i'm super consistent and all that type of thing yeah. but also like just um letting that confidence turn into overconfidence and then Kieran saying like, oh, you think you're just way better than that person, but they can, they can be awkward and you need to take this into account and that into account yeah. because you're undermining their ability because you think you're too good. You know, that type of conversation is, is yeah. necessary every now and again to just pull, pull someone like me back into line. Yeah. That's maybe like a, uh, not so talked about element of like like you think about like coaching someone being about you know helping them believe in themselves and, mm. and stuff like that but then it's like there is that other point is like how as a trainer do you manage confidence like that that line because fighting takes a level of like you know almost foolish confidence sometimes like you have mm. to go into fights like i can beat you know you have to look at the yeah, best person in yeah. the world and be like i can beat that guy yeah yeah and, yeah and even like you have to this is where like kind of some of the delusion can come from is because like you know if you take a loss you still have to come back from it and be like i could beat that guy yeah. if we fought again like you know it's not like yeah. it's like that bulletproof mentality yeah that you've got to have 
And how do you let someone, how do you kind of allow someone to develop, as you say, that bulletproof mentality without letting them kind of, it's, it is such a fine yeah, line a between fine line, confidence yeah. and kind of delusion, but yeah. like you've got to walk it, you know, that's a line mm. you have to walk. Mm. And that's that like strong, strong trainer relation, like trainer fighter relationship that you got to build. Yeah, and it's because, like, I think the other thing, uh, you see this sometimes, like, I think sometimes trainers, like, they know they've got a good fighter and so they kind of just start to let them run the show a little bit like that. Like, yeah. I think as a trainer, you cannot get to a place where you're not just going to slap your fighter around the head. Yeah, and that's... Like, and maybe that's not the literally, type, maybe literally. <laughs> that's someone that I, I am as well. Like, I am I am a bad example of that. Mm. And But anybody who knows Kieran knows that that won't happen you know and that's that's like one of the obviously there's a million reasons why i'm at more you but one of them that's very important to me is is that he runs his show and he you know like and and i he he will never be afraid to give me the criticism and tell me exactly what's what yeah and i think what what i like a lot um about kind of the the gym you know, for lack of a better word, you know, the, the kind of what Kieran's built in what you is that like, I think he as a trainer would never allow a fighter to be bigger than more you. And I think that's what, um, what sometimes trainers can kind of get wrong is they really do allow in terms of importance and preference, an individual to be kind of the focal point rather than the organization at large yeah. the team yeah. the team at large you know what i mean mm. like he was I never suppose, trying to yeah. yeah i suppose like the the weird thing um is because you, you see it in a lot in mma like yeah the fighters get so big that the like the you don't even know the trainers names and stuff like that mm. i feel like every fighter that i know in muay thai if i know the fighter i know the coach yeah like, or i know or i semi know the gym you know like yeah, most of the time it might be because I know them personally, but um, in MMA, even most of the fighters I know, I don't don't know who their coaches are. You know, like I know two two or three coaches in MMA, but like the we, I suppose we have more of a we have more of like a football kind yeah. of comparison where like no players ever bigger than the club, like Manchester United. Like if a player thinks they're too big like there's been players in the past that have been kicked out of the club because they're too they think they're yeah. bigger than the club you know i feel like we follow more of a that kind of dynamic than yeah say mma yeah and i guess it's largely kind of like it's for money reasons as well yeah like yeah. once the fighters are on that much money they can be a little bit more transactional mm. um and then it's look that's like just a dangerous kind of scale up of the idea mm. because like a fighter just has all the resources just just be like you're not telling me what i want to hear look at yeah i suppose he's stuck with the same camp though right the yeah same still with the trainers. same same trainer yeah. he's um, just he's just not so that's all yeah <laughs> just gone batshit crazy <laughs> okay so um you kind of just moving you, you've had like a couple of um you know it's been since you mentioned like that kind of move into the uh into the adults was you know started strong with a, a wbc title fight as you mentioned against Stephen kirk there's a few things to kind of get into because it's been um 
you know, I guess a, a somewhat tumultuous ride in some ways. Um, mm. An interesting story. I just like to get kind of a couple of stories that have been around kind of in your words. So you mentioned as well that you fought um, Zach Innocent mm. um, in one of your early, early adult fights, but you guys fought each other and then went on to be yeah. partners. Zach, Zach's um, like my Zach's like my best mate in Muay Thai. <laughs> yeah. Like him, him and I was just talking to him this morning. But Zach and I, we fought in I don't know, like a, a few years ago now, like maybe two and a half years ago. Um, and yeah, we fought fought for the WBC national title in Muay Thai Grand Prix in the no October or November, and then. By February, we were like mates, and and we fought on the like rogue tag team together mm. against Nung and B. I think the two yeah. tires of Konkian Lek. Um, and I then we have a bit of a running joke because I left him in the round in four fours alone because I dislocated my yeah. knee in that fight in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, well, let me just take a step back as we get into it because um not everyone listening will understand in australia i think we still do i think it's just a little bit less common um we have a promotion called rogue um up in in queensland uh of course uh that will run tag team we tie fights um we have spoken a little bit if you aren't familiar it's four four minute rounds and it is what it sounds like so it's five a, fours, uh, five fours. So, so, sorry five four minute rounds um i don't know why i said four um five four minute rounds um you know to WWE allow for you to switch yeah yeah and it is like a wwe style tag team match um you know you touch gloves with your partner they <laughs> hop in the referee makes you swap sides so you can't instantly yeah so you can't just chain swap yeah yeah um <laughs> it is what it sounds like there have been some pretty fun tag team fights like there's been yeah. a couple of cool ones this one would have been really good um and it was good but it would have been a good tag team rather than i, I think man to, in in all honesty Zach went pretty much the five rounds before it got stopped from like a cut that shouldn't have yeah, stopped yeah. the fight. Yeah. Um, and man, like he nearly beat the two of them together. If Zach and I were in there, man, it wouldn't have lasted the fight, the five rounds, not a chance. Like though it wouldn't wouldn't have gone the way it did at all. It was just one of those freak accidents that like happens and you can't do anything about. Yeah, it was a real kind of freak moment mm. as well it wasn't like yeah um just an awkward yeah kind of uh thing in the clean shirt that dislocated your knee was that yeah so my knee popped out i was pretty lucky actually considering the situation so it popped out and it was on the side of my leg and i remember like remember like he tried to sweep me and i actually jumped over the sweep and he hooked like he hooked the the left like my left leg and i landed back on my right and the right just didn't support the weight of my leg. And my knee went, my kneecap went to the right and my knee went to the left. And I landed on my back. And I remember just like the, I'd got in about 50 seconds before that. So I had like no adrenaline going through me. I yeah. hadn't been hit. And um, I remember just being like in immense pain. Like it just bur it like burned and hurt like so badly. Um, but I ended up, I broke the patella on the bone behind it um but and, and had like minor mcl damage so the bone was broken and i didn't need any surgery um just had to rehab real hard so like yeah. 
considering the situation, it got pretty lucky because there was no little to no ligament or like damage or anything like that. Yeah, how long were you at, uh, kind of out of action for with that? Um, well, man, I had a bad, I had a bad like a bad run because I did that in the February, um, and then everything with like. I don't know if COVID, no, nah, COVID didn't happen then. But like I went through the, the rehab stage and just like really went for it. Um, and then I was matched. I think my next fight was raw, meant to be against Roy Wills. Yeah. The, which was the, when I was talking at tumultuous runner, this was the next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, that story. October against Roy. So like I rehabbed super, super hard for like two, three months. And then I was back to Muay Thai after like two and a half I think I was I was probably like kicking and stuff before I was meant to because yeah that's just like we that's just the way yeah yeah um but yeah I was back to sparring maybe two three months three months after through like three months but like that's pretty quick yeah it was it was, yeah. wasn't bad like um I got pretty pretty lucky but also like I went really I was like 110 percent on top of my rehab like I yeah. I really went for it um and I still am like I prehab super hard. Like I'm real, real disciplined with my strength and conditioning, like three times a week. Um, but then I, obviously I got to the Roy fight, uh, which was towards the end of the year. I think I don't know if it was October. I think it was the end of October or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, and then weighed in for that fight, and everything went perfect for that fight. Like it was, it was absolutely like awesome. It was like that was this was my big break. You know, mm. like fighting Roy Wills, like that was the big one. Yeah, that was yeah, kind of like this. This was, was the this was that I'm gonna be on the map now. Like the I'm young gun stepping up against against the legend kind of yeah, fight that sort was, of situation. Yeah, and and like I was real, re- I was ready for, I was ready for that. Like super, super ready. Um, and like I suppose people got to see that when I fought Sing, but like that was there when I fought when I was meant to fight Roy, but we didn't get to get to see it. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things was like obviously I never got to fight Roy, and I'll explain in a second. But um, when I did fight Singh, Roy was scoring, like scoring the fight, he's judging yeah. the fight. And as I got out of the ring, he just like he jumped out of the desk and come and like kind of put his arm around me, and he was like, "Oh, you proved you belong with them boys tonight." And I was like, it meant a lot because yeah, after after everything that happened, like I copped copped quite a bit of shit off some people, like a cop caught quite a bit of flack off some some people um and had to deal with that but um what like kind of happened was i the weight the weight cut and everything was actually really good like it yeah. wasn't that big a weight cut it was my first weight cut with a like a, a proper dietitian yeah um and like i wasn't i wasn't on like a ton of food or anything like that but like the weight cut was safer than any weight cut i'd done in the past um and so got to the weigh-in and everything was fine and like ate and and everything and then I got home that night and tried to sleep and I couldn't sleep and I was tossing and turning um and like I just felt stiff like through my neck and like real off couldn't sleep and my stomach was like pushing food up and down like it felt like I was in like indigestion um and then I didn't sleep the whole night. I ended up waking um, my girlfriend up at the time, um, Carissa, and and basically she was she felt my neck here, and she was like like Max, it's making like squidging noises, 
like it, it's like making noises like it's like farting noises basically whenever she pushed on my neck and i was like that's weird man like i was we were like maybe it's fluid which is the dumbest thing like and she started like rubbing it out so like we were trying to rub out yeah. this fluid um and then we called paddy the doctor in wa uh, paddy golden and he was like yeah that's not good he was like that's air it's not it's not fluid it's air um that's leaked from somewhere and we were like oh, like like oh god so like went straight to a and e and i was in my mind i was like i'm still fighting like we'll get yeah. checked it'll be minor it'll be one of those things that you just like think is a big deal and then it's not we got into the hospital and I feel like the moment that we got there and they asked me what had happened, they knew that I wasn't fighting, but they didn't realize how big a deal that was that like I wasn't fighting. Like, yeah. They thought they, it was they don't really competition. Context. And, yeah. Yeah. It's it not like you can't play footy on a Sunday. It's, yeah. It's like that. Yeah, they yeah. thought it was like that. And so they didn't tell me. And I was like, um, so they sent me through to get, I can't remember what it's called when you get a, is it a CT scan when, when they maybe yeah. drink the stuff? I don't know what they call it, but you basically drink, you drink this liquid and then like it shows where it travels to. Um, and basically it showed a hole in my esophagus. So what had happened was like, I had had indigestion so bad when I was asleep at that night that like I'd swallowed my food and for some reason it was going up and down in my throat back and forth so much that it rubbed a hole through my esophagus and then leaked air through and into my heart cavity so the the bad part about that is like all of this part of your body like where your heart and your lungs and stuff are outside of it is sterile yeah like there's no there's nothing from the outside environment bacteria can't get to it and as soon as air gets out of anything inside it goes into that sterile cavity and there's a huge chance of infection it'll just kill you and so as soon as they saw that they were like oh yeah you're like you're not fighting and I was like, well, no, nah, no, nah, I've got to fight. I was like, I can't not fight. I was like, how bad is this? Like, what's the, you know, like, am I going to come back with a, like a really, really sore throat? Am I going to come back with like coughing up blood? Like, I don't mind, that's fine. And then they were like, um, they were like, if we let you fight, there's like a 70% chance you'll die. If, if not great odds. Fight. And I was like, like, there was, do you know, there was like a moment where I was like, no, so what you're saying actually, is, like, there's a 30% chance a 30, I won't die. Yeah, there was a part of me that was like that. And I remember looking at Carissa and she was like crying. <laughs> she was like, yeah, this isn't good. Hey, and I just kind of broke down and that sucked so bad. It was like all this work you'd put in for like this opportunity. And it wasn't, it wasn't like eight weeks to fight Roy. This was the last 13 years that yeah, I earned yeah. this right to fight this guy. Um, and then it was just gone. It was like, yeah, and then after the your, my knee and everything as well, and it was like, oh, it just like kept, kept coming, kept coming, and then like the worst thing was then they because I it come from like my esophagus, they didn't know how big the tear was, or like how bad anything was mm -hmm. really, like they didn't know how bad it was, so they were scared to put a camera down there just in case it like made it worse, like ripped it all the way, and then I wouldn't be able to breathe and like all the other complications so they they kept me on a drip like so i could get fluids and stuff for like mm. three days so after the weigh-in 
I'd obviously had like a, a meal or two and had my fluids the night of the weigh-in. But then the next morning, I had like I had like a little bite to eat on the way to the hospital, and then I was on a drip for three days and didn't get to eat or drink <laughs> like for three days. So I was in the hospital for like next three days, and they just like basically kept me waiting and waiting and waiting. Oh, you'll go home today. Oh, you'll go home today. All the while, it was like everybody else was like asking me what the hell was going on like they were like what look you didn't turn up for your own fight you know there was like 80 of us that paid to come and watch you fight yeah. like you know and then there was like all the people from you know like different gyms and stuff that were like where were you oh you scared like i heard i heard a rumor that he ate chocolate ice cream and that's why oh, that's, he didn't fight yeah that that's was, what that, i was gonna ask was, as well that yeah. was yeah i I, I have no idea where that rumor originated, but all I know is I remember hearing it from Brett Benetti on the live stream with Kaylee. So Kay, Kaylee, I remember that. I remember that stream. too. Yeah. And Brett Benetti goes, Brett Benetti goes, Oh, I had a room that he ate chocolate ice cream. And then he was like speaking to Roy and he was like, Oh, um, at least you did the right thing, Roy. And I was like, who has told him this? And then I spoke to Kaylee and Kaylee was like, um someone come to ringside and told him that i was like who come to ringside and said that like at this point at this point in the live stream nobody knew what had happened whatsoever there was nothing like at all gav had said there's been a a and then this rumor just started and i hadn't spoken to anyone either so somebody had just made that up off the top of their head because like, I remember hearing this kind of shit, like, uh, like you know, in in uh, sorry, just, just I going around, like, oh, sorry, I think I lost you for a sec there. Um, I, I remember hearing this kind of shit going around in the aftermath that you know, we, like, I was aware that there had been, you know, just complications between Wayne and Fire, and you're in the hospital, yeah. and I I remember hearing it as well, like, oh, you know, um, you know, Max had been eating some stupid shit or something but like a lot of people have gotten off look you should be smart after you weigh in right and eat yeah but uh, you know a lot of people have jumped off the scales and eaten ice cream and shit like that <laughs> it doesn't rupture your esophagus yeah exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's like, good like the, the effects will be on your performance like it won't nearly kill you like like i said it was a it was a dietitian that like I had, I had her thing to follow after the weigh-in. Like everything was, to, I weighed everything. I weighed everything like to a T. Like I, I had like, I checked like the size. I checked in the palm the amount of rice I was meant to eat, yeah. things like that. Like everything was done to a T. Like I, I did it on purpose. Like a really, really, like really good, like checking everything. And like it felt like I wasn't rewarded at all for what i did you know yeah. in fact it went the other way and then i caught so much from it you know i went down south as after i got hot out of hospital it i was obviously devastated um i went down south with my sister and then like i posted a picture and there was pizza in the picture and people were messaging me like oh you're you're a bitch like you're scared of roy and that's why you didn't fight man if i was scared of roy i wouldn't have took the fight in the first place like yeah it doesn't make any sense. And Which like, is if like, you were so scared, dumb. why would you weigh in before you pull out? Like, that just seems like a waste of energy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, and and don't get me wrong. Like, I mess, I messaged Roy several times apologizing. 
you know like and Roy's been pretty cool about it like Roy's, Roy's been pretty cool obviously he's probably pretty pissed off to begin with as um, you would be yeah, you know, like, yeah. just to but, not fight you know hmm. like but hmm. but it was just like yeah he was pretty good about it all but there's just some other people that had opinions and you know like some there's like one guy who I've never heard of that just like like he like months later commenting on my stuff like going off at me for it like like some of the stuff he said I can't even say like out loud like it's pretty like out there like what he was saying and stuff so it was just dumb it's dumb stuff mm. um, and you know I mean like it's it's devastating enough to not get that kind of opportunity against um, Roy, but then to also as a young guy who's still at this point fairly new on the adult mm. pro, if you will, um, yeah. kind of scene, like to kind of have a life-threatening injury, you know, framed as something that um, attempts to kind of call your, your integrity into question and stuff like mm. that. It's all like, it's, it's not a great addition to an already pretty shitty experience to have yeah. people kind of like, like, I guess what I mean is to go into hospitals so suddenly like that and then come out, like almost dealing with the idea that you went, like it's your fault that you were there. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, kind and of I shit. think, I think that's like, I suppose that's focusing on the negative though. Like, because the, there was obviously those people, but also like, for example, there was one person that like, I wasn't on good terms with at all. Like didn't didn't speak to them in ages. And then um when that happened, he reached out to me and was like, like, you know, I hope you're all right. And then it totally changed the terms that we were on. Like we ended up being friends again, like both pretty cool. So it was like it, it I suppose it just depends on how you look at it too. Like there was some good things eventually some to come out of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So then from there, of course, as you mentioned, and I did kind of want to get your sort of story on this, your, that was supposed to be a comeback, but your comeback mm. from that comeback um, <laughs> was against, um, unless my timeline's wrong, it was Simpiac next. Um, no, it was after Bark. This. It was Bark then. It so. was Bark. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Mm. It was Bark next. But still, mm. same kind of thing. Another, like, you still did take that big step up. And this is one I, I wanted to get into as well, because you went down for it. Um, Bark Sukari, who's very classy on um, hardcore promotions. And this was the start of what I think was a kind of a, a couple of eye openers in a row for people about you, because you just walked over Bark um, yeah. with the first round stoppage. So, yeah, tell us about kind of that. What, what did you kind of know about Bark coming in? Um, what was what was that like to, to fight someone of, of that level and that esteem and, and get that kind of result? Mm, I think... Um... Well, fight, fighting back, it was like, it was, I knew it was like, we took it on just over two weeks notice. Yeah. So it was quite a short, but like enough time. Um, and it was like the first fight I had at Legends. Um, I think what people forget though, as well is like, like Zach and even Steven, like they were both good too. They're just smaller. Yeah. Like, and I'd fought, I'd fought loads of people that were really good. And I'd fought ties in Thailand as well. Mm. Like I'd fought some good guys um the thing about back was like yes he's real classy but i think there's just a um he's he was he's a bit older and like the the kind of hunger and like want to hurt someone be there to like really walk through someone i could see from the start that i had that and he didn't yeah so if you watch like when i started that fight i started that fight like very different to how i started to fight against sing because yeah. like 
I know Singh wants to be there. I know Singh is Channel 7, like, stadium champion. And if I try and overwhelm him in the first round, he's just going to, like, he's just going to laugh. But with Bach, I could see that as soon as I hit him, he was, like, like shocked by how hard I hit him and how, like, how fast I wanted to push the pace of the fight. It was also three yeah. rounds. Um, mm. And I could see when I hit him, I hurt him. And it was just, like, after that, like, I didn't let him get his breath back or anything like that. I just went through him. Um, but I suppose, yeah, after having so much time off, I was just so, like, so, so ready to just, like, prove yeah. that I was good. Like, there should have been so many opportunities before that that didn't get to happen. Um, and I was almost like, anything I can get, like, any chance I get, I'm going to take it. A day's notice, two days notice, like, don't care. I'm just, I need yeah. to fight now. I need people to see. And and because I almost see it as, like, I have a schedule. I want to, I worked this hard to get ahead, and I don't want to go falling back into line with everybody else yeah you know i want to excel and and i need to take every opportunity i can get still to stay ahead of the game and that was like my opportunity to do that and was that kind of sort of first round super quick stoppage something you kind of foresaw or did it sort of just happen that way did you have an expectation like did you see that going to the points and or was that one you thought um was that kind of to be expected well i, I, I wouldn't say I, ne- I never really like planned to knock someone out you know like yeah. i never really planned for first rounds or anything like that um what we what i hit him with was something we planned in the gym like we 100 yeah. did that on pads and we drilled that on pads um, a few times with like the the like the hook knee and then like the, yeah. the we, if you watch as well I body shot first I like body shot and then hook knee because he was southpaw we were setting up that right like stepping with that right like kind of round shot hook or yeah. hook head or hook body followed by my left side because I know that it's got power so yeah. like because he was so troubled by the the shot that come down the right I knew the, the left would land it yeah. just so happened that I was close enough to throw the knee rather than the kick and it was on his floating rim. So it was, it kind of, it lined up right. And it was just something we practiced mm. in the gym, but like I could see once I started the fight that I could stop him. I knew I was going to stop yeah. him once I started the fight. Um, before the fight I had no clue what to expect. I watched his fight against Ramesh. Ramesh, yeah. Um, and like he, in that fight, he didn't really look like he wanted to fight. Like, he looked like he wanted... To, I think they fought three rounds and they danced it out in the third round. Okay. So so it didn't it yeah. didn't, didn't really seem like Bach wanted to fight. And Ramesh looked surprised that he lost. Oh, no, it was Sugar. Sugar, they danced it out. Yeah. Sugar, yeah, I thought the Ramesh fight was five rounds. Ramesh, I, I can't quite remember as much about the Ramesh fight. Yeah. But Bach, Bach versus Sugar, they danced it out in the third round. And Sugar, I think Sugar just thought he'd won, so he didn't care. Yeah. And then back one. But like they both, they mm. both just backed off round three. And I was like, like I was a bit surprised. And I was like, well, this kind of told it kind of told me that he didn't want to, he didn't want to knuckle down and go for it. So didn't want to do more than he had to. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I really put it on him and like let him know that like he wasn't gonna get an easy ride. Yeah. And he kind of crumbled under that pressure, which worked out well for me. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that was big fight. Um, you know, yeah. a, a big kind of statement. Um, must have been great after the kind of the couple of false starts. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think what you sort of were the talk of the town after was a more recent one. 
um, against, as we've alluded to a couple of times, mm. um, was against the former Channel 7 stadium champion and probably the best best on Australian soil at the moment, I think is a pretty fair argument. Um, question right yeah. So um, I guess as a young guy, um, you know, what's it like to kind of, I, I guess, first of all, is Simpiak a guy that you, because it was, of course, a late replacement, originally Albert Tua, I think. Yeah. That right, yeah. So you're supposed to fight out, which is a good fight too. Um, Zimbayak comes in as the short nose replacement. Is that a guy that you had on your radar? What's it like to get that name kind of come across? What does it's, that feel like? It's actually really funny. Um, like Chris, Chris Watt, the yeah. um, he had kind of just took over and he was teaching at, at Legends, like the fire team. Um, and we were training for Albert and stuff, and we'd done a like we'd started camp and stuff like that. We'd done maybe three weeks, um, and then he come. He I we I came in in the morning because he works there too, and um, he goes to me like, "Oh, can we have a chat?" It's like, yeah. So bad news. Albert's pulled out. It's like, it's like you serious. And then he's like, "Well, good news. Sing packs in," and I was like. I was like, yeah, yeah, like Sing Pack, but is which Sing Pack? Like, is it is it Sing Pack, Sing Pack? And he was the like, like, the Sing Pack or just some random Sing Pack? <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, like Sing Pack, like the one at PTJ. I was like, it's like cool. Like, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wicked. Um, and then he was like, oh, like, are you sure you want to take it? Of course, I want to take it. Like, I was like, yes. Um, and I spent like the whole morning just calling people, telling people I was fighting Singpayak pretty much. <laughs> like, call my dad, call my mum, like, fighting Singpayak. You know, I'm major, I'm major, I'm fighting Singpayak. <laughs> like, I was just like, I was just super happy to have the fight. It's um, like somebody uh, you, that you watch as a kid. You know, yeah. Watch, watch him growing up and stuff. It's like, cool. Channel 7, you know, it's one of my favorite stadiums. Yeah. Um, and like there's still like if you look at his fights it's like there's nobody that I've seen him outside of the stadiums that really trouble him like he, like he on in in Australia especially like he just looks like he's effortless most of the time when he fights people you know like he yeah really just schools half the country without with ease you know so it was, it was yeah. just a cool opportunity to have against him yeah, bar that one fight against um Apicet, he he barely even breaks a sweat. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not even like people can't beat him. It's like they can't make him work. Mm. And like, and he's still like it's important when you talk about in Singapore we have a former Channel Seven Stadium champion in Australia. Like yeah, but we also have a former like he's still here to fight. Like that's super yeah. important to like like yeah. he's not um you know just jumping in for you know just holding pads and yeah jumping yeah. in for a few bucks like he's still like yeah he's still and yeah, still fighting really fast here. yeah mm. um so i guess like i don't know if uh you know maybe people would have been i mean i guess people would have been surprised I whereas people how well people you... would have written me off but i thought they would have written me off more like i thought i thought like no I'm quite good that know that they hadn't seen my full potential, but yeah. I, I thought people would have written me off more than they did. Cause yeah. if I wasn't me, I would have written me off too. Like yeah. I'd, I'd have looked at the fight and been like, who is he? Like, why does he matter? Who's he for? 
you know like but people people tend to like actually got behind me quite a bit especially in wa because they knew yeah. that i was like it was almost like oh max is gonna get more more like more tested than than mm. ever it was like a almost like i they thought i deserved it a bit more than possibly what people in the eastern states did yeah yeah and i think like one of the most interesting things i think for me and like you mentioned kind of well as we touched on a little bit earlier speaking about um other fights like you, like you mentioned that like you know you weren't just going to try to push the pace and kind of overwhelm him i i found always find it very interesting to watch someone um fight a, someone of simpiac's level i think more often than not what you watch is people trying to just be like they kind of almost like acknowledge okay he's more technical than me he's better than me but i'm just gonna mm. you know put put my foot on the gas and you know it's almost like they're not trying to win the the technical battle they're just trying to win yeah you know the endurance battle like if i just make him work from the first second yeah but you played the game with simpai it like, actually you know, went the other way and he tied me out <laughs> yeah because <laughs> yeah, the first two rounds man like i i feel i don't know if anyone like i've had a few people say that they agree with me and i don't know i've had most people have said they agreed with me that i won the first two rounds yeah um but I think the place that he beat me, he just clinched better than me. Yeah. And he had this position in the clinch. He just had his hand across my face that, you know, tied me out. He need really well. And man, he's a, like a, a he's a chat, like a, a stadium champion. His clinch is going to be good, you know, like, and mine on the night wasn't up to scratch. Like I'm good in the clinch, but that night just wasn't there. And, and he was better than me in the clinch. So if you watch, there's a real heavy shift from like round three, yeah. Start of round three, I'm still doing quite well. Towards the end of round three, it's like I just disappear. It's like my pace just goes out the window. Three, four, five, he just batters me until probably the last 20, 30 seconds of round five when he decides he don't want to fight me anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, round one, round two, I was doing wicked. I was like, I managed to sweep him, pull pull off some real nice like like sweeps and kicks and 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 things like that. And I looked looked. I feel like anybody who was watching up till and the start of round three, you probably thought like, oh, you might beat him here. Yeah. And then obviously the shift. And that just shows how good um, Singh is. Like he can change the plan three, four times and find where he can beat you. Yeah. Um, because like if he would have stayed kicking with me, I feel like I'd have been able to be, I'd stayed pretty fresh and I probably would have won. Um like he then switched to Southpaw and when he switched to Southpaw, I got more of a lead because I managed to pull off like four or five low kicks on him and he realised that wasn't working. And then he got into the clinch and realised he was like, oh, I can beat him here. Mm. And then if you watch like the later rounds, he'll just do anything to get to the clinch. Like he would, he wouldn't even throw with any technique. He'd just swing, jump into the clinch once he had hold of me, had real good position again and he'd beat me there, which is obviously something that I've done a lot of work on now since then. So changed a lot then. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's not often um, on Australian soil that you'll watch Simpiak in a fight where he really has to reach into his bag of tricks. Like, I think uh, for the most part, when you're watching Simpiak play an A, he tends to win for him. You know, he doesn't mm-hmm. usually have to go beyond. But yeah, it was very, very interesting to watch Simpiak get challenged to the point where he really kind of has to, to pull it out, like really kind of, yeah. you know, turn it up a little bit, three, four, five. Yeah. Um. 
I guess, how did you feel in there with him? Did, did you kind of think in those? Because I think what was so interesting was that, like we said, you weren't just outworking him, like hitting some sweeps and, and, and winning some quite tricky sort of kick battles and things like mm. that. Did you feel like you surprised him? I feel, yeah, I feel like I definitely surprised him um, because he come, he actually come up to me after the fight. Like, I suppose um, I, when I went into the fight, like long, like a bit, a little bit sick. And then when I finished the fight, I got out of the ring and um, I was so tired that I was just laying on the floor and like, I slayed like on my back and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't move. Like it was like, everything was like, all my muscles were like, dead on me and limp and I was like I couldn't move and I was like gonna throw up and then um I was coughing a bit of blood and like and it was like it was I was in a pretty bad way and then he kind of just like kind of popped his head in the room and was like it was like that was a hard fight he was like, he was like I'm, I'm I'm gonna take Panadol now <laughs> and I think that was his way of being like yeah man it wasn't yeah. like it wasn't a walkover basically yeah um so it felt good to get that kind of respect from him um but in there the first two rounds felt great and then I hit a wall with my chest and lungs I couldn't breathe yeah. just couldn't breathe um and I think obviously there's not I would 90% of it being seeing knowing how to tire someone out with his yeah. hand across my face and kneeing my stomach over and over again but also obviously that like element of a little bit of sickness yeah. um but yeah like I you know, I feel like it probably would have gone the same way even if I wasn't sick, to be fair to him. Um, with with the way he, he dealt with the situation. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, four and five were horrible. I hate, I hated it. It was horrible. Like round, I got to stand up and I come back at like, I did like the stereotypical, I'm fucked to one of my, like to one <laughs> of the coaches. Like, I was like, man, I can't breathe. Like it was so bad. Round five, I stood up and Chris just said to me, like, he's like, whatever you have left, I need you to give it now. He's like, yeah. anything that you've got left. He's like, I'm not going to give you some, like, major plan. He was like, whatever you have left, we just need it now. He's like, because like, there was nothing else to to do, really. Like, yeah. I couldn't skill the same way I could in the first two. I was just too lethargic, too tired. He was like, um, yeah, he was like, just whatever you got left. you got to do something. you just got to, you got to do more. Um, yeah, because round four I just got beat up. Like it, it was like um, I did my best in round five, and I like last thirty seconds I was strong, so I finished strong. But I was happy to like I was pretty proud of myself. It was the best I had on that night. Like yeah, not my best me, like not the best I am, but the best I had on that night was in the room. Yeah, you know, so I was proud of that. And then, so of course, shortly after this, as we said, um, you made the decision to to move over to Canberra and, and start training, training and working under um, Kieran. I guess did kind of having that opportunity to fight Simpak and have such a good fight against him that ultimately didn't go your way. Was it a bit of a moment of like, okay, now I'm almost there. Let's take some steps to get, you know, mm. what are the steps I need to take to kind of get to that next level? Is mm. that was that kind of the thinking in making such a, a major move after that fight? Yeah, well, the the day, the the day of obviously I picked Kieran up on the day of the fight. Yeah. So like he flew over on the day of the fight, he cornered Charlie and watched me. Yeah. Um, and then we flew back together 
the next morning to Canberra yeah. and I went over for the week um and the the next morning I remember like I remember that night and the next morning I was like I don't know if I'm going to be well enough to get on this plane because I was like I got home and I was just peeing blood and then <laughs> the next morning I was peeing blood and I was like this is horrible I was like it was just because well I spoke to the doctor and stuff like and the doctor was basically saying to me like it, it went away after a couple of days but he was like he just needs your liver so hard that it's just like it's it's just a mess like <laughs> all my kidneys or something like he's just need he's need me internally like over and over again if you watch the fight you can see the accumulated yeah. knees like um he's like is this messed messed you up so your kidneys are like messed up or or something was messed up so it made me pee but then I um jumped jumped on the plane anyway like even though I wasn't in the greatest shape um on the plane and then I remember like on the plane with Kieran and we were already going over it like we were already talking about the fight what what I didn't do well what I did do well what we 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 like we were like what do we need to work on you know yeah it was that talk straight away it was like what do we need to work on this is how we're going to change this this is how we're going to make this better and it was like just that talk from the start and it was just like kind of like symmetry that kind of um I don't know a like, bit of a natural fit yeah it was natural fit yeah, like straight yeah. away he knew I agreed we agreed on everything that I needed to fix straight away most of yeah. it was like clinch related stuff um but just a couple of other things as well and then getting there like um I was like before the end of the week I was already teaching at the gym like I just kind of helped out here and there yeah and it just felt natural to teach there and help there and yeah it was just like just felt supernatural I think it I suppose it it did like make me go like he's ready to take me on he's ready for these um you know he's ready to corner me against Singpayak he's ready to yeah. corner me against you know he's got no no fear of that like he doesn't you know he's ready he's ready to go and have me fight whoever wherever whenever he's thinking as big as I'm thinking yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. we're on the same scale yeah which is important right you need that alignment in mm. you know and i've seen him do it with josh too like of course him. yeah 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 so, so i guess you know that does kind of bring us to today um so i mean you know working that as we said we touched on it big kind of um you know you sort of overhauled your whole life in the interest of getting yourself over there to canberra um I guess what I want to get into is like, what does the future hold? You know, you mentioned at the start, there was the talk of um, Boat and Pete and D wanting to get you to one championship. Is one championship the goal? And kind of, are there any dream fights out there in the world for you? Who do you look at? Like, I um, really want to fight that person. I think, I mean, I have a few goals like, like that, like, um, man, like one glory, yeah. things like that. Like, happy to fight any of any of those you know like yeah um whatever opportunity arises i'm happy to to go with some of the fighters that i dream of fighting are probably more on one yeah um like the people i grew up watching the people i want to be and stuff like that yeah. so i suppose like at, at like right now i suppose that i'd you'd want to beat the guy to beat like nongo you know Nongo, that type yeah. of person um like anyone really like how I'm I want to fight to the best I can I want to be the champion of like the weird thing at the moment is like you don't know what the champion of the the, the 
the champion to be is like yeah. you know like a few a few years ago it would have been like oh i want to go and be i want to go and win a lump in Evo, or like i yeah. want to I want to be one of the only fighters to ever win a Rajadam Nern belt as a foreigner. Yeah. Like yeah. That was, that was one of my goals. Like I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to get foreigners back in channel seven. Yeah. I want you know, that type of, I had those goals. They, they were all Thailand goals. Yeah. Um, but like the sport evolves every day in Muay Thai, like then as well, like there was no money either. Like money didn't, mm. there was no money. Like, well, at least in my head, but now I feel like, I do value money when it comes to fights because the bigger, the bigger money is the bigger fights. Like it kind yeah. of, it, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's more gravitated now, now towards like the top fights are your one championship fighters, like yeah. in, in Muay Thai at least, you know, and your K1 fighters in glory and places like that. Um, obviously in Australia, it's like rebellion. And, and so it's, yeah. it's like the, the goals have shifted and I suppose I want to be the, the, the champion of whatever's relevant. Yeah. When I get there. And um, that changes a lot, right? Like no one's goal five years ago was one championship. Exactly, so it's kind yeah, of like, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it depends like what, what if, what if tomorrow some other organization pops up that becomes the best in the world? Because that's how it felt yeah. when one did. Like it felt like one just appeared yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. And um, one was really kind of the first foreign, not, um, the first organization with inter wide international exposure that had real thailand buy-in like mm -hmm. actually got genuinely elite yeah. fighters from yeah. like those major camps can be of course it is uh, kind of not you know it's asian owned as an it? it's not yeah. like a, a, a promotion yeah. in america but it's it's widely internationally broadcasted yeah. and those camps like your you know pet your day big in one uh pick mm -hmm. chai these yeah. types of gyms yeah. They, they can be very difficult to get to, anywhere, yeah. anywhere outside of those Thai stadiums. Yeah. Mm. So it's like, yeah, to, 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 I suppose one that's pretty ever standing is like, like I want to be the top of the WBC rankings. Yeah. Like that's, that's one that's going to be like WBC world champion. That's like a, a set in stone goal that I've had from the start, you know? Um, yeah. I wouldn't say I'm so much worried about WMC, like, more more wbc orientated yeah. if i fight for a wmc title i i 100 would like and i the organization's great but my my focus on the wbc yeah um with the ranking system being there and everything it's um, the way things are leaning at the moment yeah, yeah yeah like i think that's one one place i'd like to look but also like i want to be i think the end goal for me um is to be like in the top in the big top five like of the foreigners yeah, you know, like um, I suppose one from this, you know, like your yeah, Alamoses. Yeah, I want to be up there with your Liam Harrisons, uh, like those type of people. I want, you know, your Danny Bills, yeah. your Raymond Deckers. I want, I want people to talk about all those people and be like, oh, what if Max, what if Max fought him when they were in their prime? Like, I want that conversation yeah. to happen. You know, like your Christian, like a generational kind of conversation. Yeah. Like, I want to like be in that. that conversation when I retire. I like that a lot. Yeah, and as we kind of look, we'll start to kind of wrap up. I always go over time. Um, it's just my <laughs> style. But I did have one one question uh, kind of that I'd be really interested to get your take on in that we've talked a lot about kind of some, you know, quite major moves, you know, that in, impact your whole life largely. You know, you decided to 
go from one side of the country to yeah. the other, of course, recently. But even kind of back in, in WA, you made that move from training with your dad to training at, at Legends Academy. Talk a little bit, if you will, about having that experience of kind of having to make the decision that, you know, you need to kind of leave the environment that you're in, I guess, to mm-hmm. kind of achieve your goal. Because in the fight game in general, we talk a lot about, you know, loyalty and there's that kind of, um, you know, people can not really want to leave where they are, especially kind of you're in that situation more yeah. so because you've yeah. got, you know, you're training with your dad. What's that experience like and kind of what advice would you give, I suppose? Not what, what advice would you give, I guess, even to yourself, yeah. you know, as you start to wrestle with these things um, in making decisions that are going to further your career? Yeah, <clears throat> I think that, like, obviously moving from Legends to Moyu was, like, I hadn't been at Legends that long mm. and, um, like, Chris, who was like my main coach at the time when I left and Daniel and stuff, they kind of like, I said, like, look, I'm, I'm going. And they were like, yeah, we understand. Yeah. Super easy for them to understand. And like, um, as far as training partners, everything like that. When I had trained with my dad since I was five years old, um, up until I was eight, what, 19 years old. It's like 18, 19. And so for him and I, that was a very, like, very difficult transition. Mm. Um, like, um, I think that the, the, hard, the hard part is, like, man, I will always, like, I'll always appreciate everything my dad did for me. And I think he's a brilliant trainer. Like, I think he's amazing. Um, but, like, the plan was always for me to go. Yeah. eventually like but the plan was for me to go to pet D, you know like mm, to go okay. to a, you know whatever big gym in thailand and live there and that type of thing and when that kind of changed and things it was a lot harder for us to to have that like transition for me to go somewhere else like i i was growing up and and wanted a job full-time in muay thai and and yeah. like that wasn't really an opportunity where we were like at, at my dad's gym. My dad's gym is like a, you know, I think there's like 30 members at my dad's gym yeah. all together and the fight team, there's like six and, you know, it's mainly made up of um, like, for example, like there's Bryony yeah. um, and the only other Josh retired like a couple of years ago now. So really at the time there was Brant and I that were the only two like male experienced fighters that were in the gym all the time yeah and like brant had had like 14 fights i think or something like that and you know i was like i was training for roy and i'd had like 120 you know so it's yeah. like it was a real hard point um for me to for me to transition from there um but i think something that i would say to people is like and i was having this conversation with david that like people in muay thai i think that loyalty is like a you have to stick like by somebody forever and it's like you have to follow them to your death and man that's so stupid like I I think that's so dumb like I I feel like everybody knows I respect my dad and everybody knows that I love him and everyone knows that I'm so appreciative of everything he ever did for me but that doesn't mean that I can't grow and go elsewhere yeah um like 
date like David had a similar thing where he left and went come to more you and like that doesn't mean that he's disrespectful or doesn't care or like and I think that a lot of people need to hear that that to leave somewhere isn't it's about how you approach the situation yeah yeah you know it's like you leave you leave on the right terms and you say it how it is but with respect yeah don't tiptoe and hide things and you know pinky has a good rant on it like he does just leave yeah. just leave leave the right way you don't have to stay somewhere that you don't want to be even if you yeah. just don't want to be there you can leave with respect like it's, yeah you're not you're not required to be anything you're not required to stay somewhere just because you've been there a long time or like mm. i think i needed to hear that like because i felt like i was betraying my own dad leaving and things yeah. like that you know like which i shouldn't have felt that way but i feel like a lot of people probably go through it because their trainers are like father figures anyway yeah it's so, tricky and it will be it like leaving any environment that you've been in a long time will be tricky but it doesn't have to be this big kind of no emotional i mean like maybe it will be emotional but it doesn't have to be this like kind of hideous breakup kind of situation yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're and, not and in I any think, relationship with them yeah, yeah not married especially yeah especially if advancing your career is somewhere mm. else it's just kind of you know i think it, i it suppose it, it, it comes into a point where like sometimes like you get people that like think they've outgrown their trainer and the trainer doesn't think they've outgrown them and things like that. So yeah. that makes the situation more difficult. Yeah. Um, but if you have, if you have valid, agree, like valid reasons that you agree with your trainer on for leaving, which like in both examples, I did a lot yeah. of it was to do with like training partners and, and things like that. Um, and also opportunities for my job Yeah. and, and, things like my career and stuff like that and the management also like yeah kieran is a good businessman he knows like he can get me the best opportunities you know and like obviously i left wa we like to come <laughs> to a state where you can't where we can't fight as much at the moment but like kieran but in normal kieran, times yeah yeah like he he has the like almost has connections to do that you know people he's got a good network no my dad has a full-time job and runs the gym yeah so it's, like it's a bit so he's got a lot on his plate you know yeah um but to have somebody who's able to spend all day on the phone making the right career moves mm. for me just because i'm there like is a massive massive advantage yeah um and so if you've got valid reasons to leave then it takes the emotion out of things like everyone yeah. has to understand the facts yeah absolutely mm. Of course, um, you know, we're sure it will be a positive move. We just haven't really been able to see yeah, it just yeah. yet. Well, there's, um, but yeah. there's plenty in the pipelines. Plenty um, in the pipeline. Plenty yeah. in the pipelines. Look, looking forward to hearing about it. And um, we're sure we'll speak again, kind of get to break down some future fights and stuff like that. Everyone, especially after that Simpayaki fight, is I think very, very excited to see you fight again and see you start to pop up on the likes of Rebellion and and things like this so um i promised myself i would i said this the last time i, I like i i can't control the time myself <laughs> but you know like we said at the start you know once someone when someone's uh good to talk to we just want to do more people can pause it when they want to but we'll finish off with just giving you the chance to um give any shout outs to sponsors um anyone you want to um yeah drop a little bit of love to um take some yeah. time awesome um obviously i've got uh, my sponsors 
um, Awut, uh, my gear sponsor, and shout out to Mandy Hopper as well, um, the strength and conditioning in Perth. Um, I'll always shout out my dad's gym. So Free Lions Gym in like in Perth as well. Um, yep. They've been like really, really growing. They've got like six, I think six first timers before the end of the year now. So um, I'm really like excited and they're all like in their teens. So that'll oh, nice. be wicked. So it's wicked for my dad towards the end of the year to have so many young people coming, coming through. Um, obviously more you as well. Got to shout out more you and the guys. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's everyone. Well, not everyone, but like... <laughs> not absolutely everyone. But... <laughs> I can't be here all day. I can't shout everyone out. Shout out my mum as well. <laughs> and where is the best place to keep up with your career? Of course, we'll chuck some links in the description, but you're more active on Instagram. You've got a Facebook page. Where do we keep up yeah. with that? Uh, Instagram's, Instagram's probably the place. Eh? I think that's where most people are. But yeah, I think my Instagram is max underscore McVicker. If you type in Max McVicker, it should come up, I think. Um, same on Facebook. Max yeah. Um yeah, I think that's that's the place to find them. Oh, thank you very much for your time this afternoon, sir. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully you and I both had a lockdown pretty soon, but we are all looking forward to hearing some fight news from yourself over there in Canberra. Um, hope to talk to you again soon and uh, take care of yourself, mate. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Combat Chat Podcast. You can catch all episodes on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and all other podcast platforms. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Follow your boys on Instagram, Facebook, at Combat Chat Podcast. See you next week.